Welcome to episode six of the How to Pair Beer with Everything podcast brought to you by NEPACene.com. This week, we are down a George and gained a Matt from Massive Beer Reviews. Check his stuff out on YouTube. You can see a lot of really great beery reviews. So uh, if you are into what we're doing, definitely check that out. Uh, this week, we have some white whales of beers to enjoy, some really much sought after beers. Uh, that we're going to be discussing along with a slew of other topics going from our childhoods all the way up to what it's like to be a teenager today or what we imagine it's like since we're relatively old men. Uh, if you're liking what you're hearing, get in touch with us. Let us know on NEPAScene.com. That's N-E-P-A-S-C-E-N-E.com. Let's start this. Okay, cool. All right, so we're back. Uh, we are Georgeless. George is in Chicago. Uh, we are joined by Matt. Matt yeah. says, uh, the radio show name does Matt. That's his beer review and doesn't give a shit. About <laughs> no, I give a shit. I just, I'm just a curmudgeon, man. <laughs> this is how I do. But uh, yeah, we've been getting texts from George. Uh, he's out in Chicago. He's He's land. I shouldn't say he's trying to. He has landed some white whales as far as beer goes. That's what. Uh, that was kind of the inspiration for some of the stuff we put together tonight because it got me thinking about all of those things that, uh, you know, even with any kind of that brain we've talked about so many times, and the nerd thought, uh, the addiction of having to have a collection or have to get things that are really sought after or really hard to find. George is definitely a shining example of that. Uh, he does not um, have an off switch, I don't believe. Uh, I think that would be the proper... I think, th- I think that applies to everything about George's personality, <laughs> if you know him pretty well. Yeah. It's, it's been interesting to watch him. He's starting to open up on the show now, you know, because I think at first, I mean, you know, y- you do your first podcast. I mean, I, I've, I've done that. Yeah, you have no clue how to handle it or how to host anything or whatever. But he's he's becoming more comfortable. So expect in a, in a few months we'll probably get some uh, some nasty phone calls or something about all the horrible things that George guy says. Yeah, uh, rounding out last week's show is kind of the, the precursor for things to go. Right? Because <laughs> it gets much better off mic. <laughs> but uh, no, I was trying to think of because I'm I'm one that I don't like to go to. Uh, they have these bottle releases and all these crazy things that have a lot of hype around it and people will block and I mean block. If you go online and they have videos posted of some of these really thought after beers, um, even through the ridiculous lines, they go through the number system, they go through, you know, um, a few months ago we had Cigar City on the radio show and they were talking about, they have, they have a beer called Hunaku. And it's a really sought out, it's a funny name, really sought after beer. Uh, it's good, but they, they had a lottery ticket system set up. Uh, someone, this is how ridiculous, and it's funny to see it in crap. Two years ago. So the two years ago, yeah, technically, yeah. yeah, technically, yeah. Um, so two years ago, they had a lottery system set up, and it's funny to see that in the craft beer community, because you just, I don't know why I would think they're not scumbags in there, but they're just, <laughs> someone cheated and made fake tickets. Really? Yeah. It's not a beer. Yeah, wow. Yeah, someone really went out of their way to do that, and it, it screwed up the whole system for everybody because they, they only make a limited amount, and that's all they have. 
and that's what they release, and that's what the tickets are based on. So when, I don't know how many, they say how many tickets are there? I, I, I'm, off the top of my head, I want to say 400, but I could be totally yeah, wrong. Yeah, but it was a good amount. Then you're talking two, $300 a ticket? Yeah. Yeah, so it's not like a, a $20, 30 ticket. Oh, jeez. All these people that had all this money invested in it, and they were like, we, we don't have beer for you. They had to go back and brew more for those people, so then they wound up losing a bunch of money. They made it right. Wow. Yeah, yeah. They really made up to everybody, but it's not a cheap beer to make, which is why it's expensive to buy, and they had to go and brew all of this and, and screw up their system long-term for a while, too, to get readjusted because that tied up equipment to make a beer that took a long time to make, and then had to shut, so it was like, yeah, that, that goes on. But it kind of got me thinking. So I had some uh, whales in the fridge. We'll call them. These are some more sought-after beers. I thought it was whales, bro. I thought it was whales just to grow. <laughs> you got to get the bro in. Um, so we're, we're first having some heady topper, and I will say these are not as fresh as I would like them to be because uh, I had initially gotten these. We were going to do a whole show around stuff, and then everything fucked, which that happens in life. The other show? Yeah. Mm. We were going to do a whole double IPA show, and then we moved radio stations, and mm. Yeah, there was a there was a beer up in New York, and I'm not I'm not the kind of guy to drive for that kind of stuff either. And I was tempted to go because uh, you know I forget who was doing it, but it was a, it was just a limited run thing. But it was a, a tribute to uh, Jack the King Kirby of uh, Marvel Comics fame, and uh, they they drew him on the label and stuff like that. And the they they were basically having a limited release, and it was a fundraiser for uh, a, a, for some sort of uh, charity uh that benefits uh you know comic book creators and things like that you know um i think i i want to i don't know if it was a comic book initiative i'm not sure anyway uh that sounded like something that was really cool it just happened to just not work out in terms of scheduling to get up there and that sort of thing but yeah i mean it's i think it's tough to to convince anybody unless you're george to uh drive all over hell's creation for some of this stuff so you know i i guess i'm i'm spoiled because i get to to ride on those coattails a little bit yeah but I mean, like, even with with movie stuff and everything i mean i know that was the one thing you know going to conventions i mean you know comic con which is going on i'll give a door those things to collect this stuff i just something about i think to me the first thought that pops into my head is annoyance 
I think that's the problem. Right. Because I, I think about being crammed into a room with a bunch of people, like-minded or not. Um, unfortunately, this, this is going to make me sound like a curmudgeon, but unfortunately, most of this kind of stuff that I like, you know, whether it be movies or what, a lot of the people in that kind of clicking mentality, I don't like you, you know, I I, I, th- I think the separation comes in with me and those people where it's less about the experience for them and more about owning something. And I'm not like like if I go to like New York Comic Con, for example, uh, a lot of times most of the tables have some sort of exclusive to try and get you to be there and stuff. So I'll see what the exclusives are in advance. And if I walk over and there's a line of more than like 20 people, which usually there's more uh, more of a line of a few hundred people, I'm like, nah, not worth my time because I'd let, rather walk around and enjoy it in that time than to stand there for hours and hours for one thing and miss all the panels, miss all the you know events, miss all the, the, the people walking around and that kind of thing. It's, to me, it's just not worth it. I don't understand that. It's a secondary market that opens up, yeah. And, and that's more what that's for, because you have the people that go and, you know, want 20 copies, whatever the max is, like, they will 100% go for that. Oh, absolutely. And just push that on to someone else and overcharge them, and that's where a lot of it goes. And I think that's more than that kind of keeps me away from these things, because I, I have a big mouth. And, like, my problem is I would see some guy, and I'd be like, you're a fucking dick. <laughs> and, like, it would just not be, I mean, everybody's already pissed off, they're crunched in line, they're not in the mood to, and then, you know, here's me calling some guy, I don't know, a dick. <laughs> it's, it's Comic-Con, so you'd, it'd be a slap fight anyway. <laughs> I think a lot of it, a couple things. One, you get older, you get a little bit. Yeah. And not to use George as, like, a... Um, I love that George is a kid. Yeah, George has talked about him more than that. <laughs> well, he's not here, so we have to talk about him. As, um, as a baseline, this is the difference, and it's actually perfect, because we're talking about him. George... All I know about him is that he's going out and he's excited about coming back here and sharing yeah. the beer with his friends. It's not a matter of, it's not him going out there to get him to come back and be like, look at this Instagram this shit. No, yeah. he's super fucking cool. He's like literally freaking out to drink it with somebody. And yep. that's the big difference when it comes, that's the difference between that person and the person that waits yeah. in line to get the thing so he can say he got the thing rather than enjoy the thing. And then it's sad to say it, but it's like that kind of thought that George had, that's in the minority. Like you see, I definitely see a lot less. And sure. And that's the difference between like you were saying, like um, people are dicks. Like just because we're in the same shit doesn't mean we gotta be fucking friends. Yeah. And then you have like, there's a lot of assholes that like the stuff I like. I'm an asshole, but it's just in my own kind of way. But um, but yeah, it's complicated. But it's one of those things where it's like you can. We don't have to be friends just because we're in the same things. But at the same time, that's why you gravitate towards people like yeah. like George. So that's why I'm become friends with George and hang out with him. Not because he has access to beer. It's not because whatever. It's just because he has that really. I don't know. It's, it's, it's so it's positive. Genuine, it's genuinely really positive and very. Just, ugh, love, you can tell he loves it, and that's when someone loves something, it's hard not to like them. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. He, you love hating puppies. He, <laughs> he just texted me yesterday saying, Oh, here's one for you that you would like. <laughs> you know, so I mean, that's that's how it is. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can see so much of that, and it's unfortunate because that's what kind of puts a 
damper and a bad name on all this stuff because that's who you see out there more. That's because the person is just genuinely passionate about it can't keep that more to themselves in a lot of ways. They like their circle of friends that are around them, that's that's who knows, and that's to be one of gravitating towards. But it's just tough when you're getting into that and you have to be around those people because it just puts a damper on it for a lot of people. And that's why you start to see and I know also just age in and of itself. Yeah. You kinda of get to the point where you're like, all right, I'm not gonna go play in line for three hours for the new Wii or whatever the hell I <laughs> You you want you want to hear a, a weird funny story about uh, beer collecting? Now, this is this is interesting because we just posted this on uh, NEPA scene, uh, so you got to check out the article. It's pretty funny. Uh, we have a guy on there who uh, runs uh, an auction business in Archibald uh, called the Savo Auctioneers. And uh, he loves what you do, by the way. He actually gave you a plug this week in the column. It was pretty funny. Yeah. So um, he uh, he did one on this thing called Billy Beer. Have you ever heard of this? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you you guys know the history of that? Pretty pretty interesting. I had never heard of it before. But he said a lot of people that, you know, he when he's, uh, you know, cleaning out somebody's house for whatever reason, you know, they're, they're getting rid of stuff or, you know, it's like an estate sale kind of thing he'll come across a six-pack of this beer all the time. And uh, essentially, uh, what would the, you know, long story short, um, President Carter's little brother, Billy, was the guy who, who put his, slapped his name on this, basically. And uh, this beer was distributed, uh, you know, during that era and, and didn't do well at all. It was, it tasted awful. Uh, you know, I, I think... I, Oh. Oh my God. I know was. I think that was one of the times because that was around when Schlitz made that change, and then just they were like one of the top beers, and then became the joke that everyone laughed. Well, legend has it, even Billy preferred Paps Blue Ribbon over his own beer. So, so, so they, of course, the the brewery went, you know, belly up. And so they try to get rid of this stuff. And there was a con man who came up with an idea where, where he was going to, you know, buy, buy them out of the beer, basically, and take out an ad saying that you need to, to get this because it's going to be a collector's item someday for this amount of money, right? And then he took out another ad pretending to be someone else saying, don't buy from that guy, get it cheaper here. So he really had this scam going where it was like, you know, you could get it for $1,000 from this guy, but you can get a 200 for me. So he's making 200 bucks on this beer that's absolutely worthless. Apparently, $2 billion were made or left over at this point. Like, that was the rough estimate of how many are probably even out there currently because nobody wants to drink the damn shit. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, and obviously it would be, you know, long bad anyway. You wouldn't want to drink it. But... <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so anyone who who knows anybody who collects that kind of stuff or or is into collecting it, it's 
maybe for the novelty or the story to tell, but certainly not worth anything whatsoever. But I mean, it reminded me of, of like collecting comics in the nineties. And, you know, I mean, I, I still collect comics now, but, uh, in the nineties, it was kind of a, a bust because there was all this, uh, there was all these issues point, you know, a lot, a lot of stuff went back to issue ones. They tried to push that for a while. A lot of stuff was, uh, given hologram covers and tin foil. Yeah. Yes. For the Venom comic, and I remember getting that. It was all tin foil, and I think they might have stamped limited edition or collector's. Yes, the foil covers, and it was all different color foils too. I think I don't remember if it was a multi pack of the same with different covers. You know, that was one thing they did, or if it was a multi pack of like the first two, three issues, or so. I, I don't know. Yeah. I remember having it. I I might even still have it somewhere. I have no idea. Sure. And they're they're all worthless. I mean, pretty much any comic made in the '90s is worthless. Doesn't matter how much you think it it's going to be, or sadly, even Archie. Although Archie's doing better than people would would think these days. If you haven't been following what Archie Comics is doing lately, it's actually pretty impressive. It's really cool. They're they're actually more now. Uh, not only is is the whole the whole actual comic the ongoing series like more progressive and stuff, but they also do these kind of spinoff ideas. Like they did one like you know Archie versus zombies kind of thing, you know. So it's like the Archie gang but stuck in like an old cheesy horror movie sort of thing. And like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but like they get eaten and shit like like they're getting ripped up and stuff like there's gore and everything in it like it's funny you know like they're they're willing to take more chances with the franchise now it's not you know so much this family friendly protected thing anymore right yes which means they know that there it's a niche market so let's see what that niche market is into and market towards those people so a lot of the stuff is actually kind of fun Right. And it's like anything you're gonna possibly do has become like the most cliche thing. And it's it's one of the things like looking at it because horror throughout history was always meant to mirror society and you know show what they're doing or what's the ramifications of what they're doing, which is what zombies always were. And now I don't think we have a horror thing that's moving. Well, look at look at the the how, when the Walking Dead first came on. I think like myself and I think a lot of other fans said like, oh yeah, you know it it, it makes sense because you know once uh, uh, the film is over, like once a George Romero is mo- over a movie is over for two hours, you want to know what happens next. Like where do they go from there? You know, like well, how does humanity survive after that? That kind of thing. So just make it keep going. You know, but then after a while, you're like, oh yeah, if it keeps going. It's going to be the same thing all the time where it's like, okay, they're going to go from place to place. Something's going to get fucked up in that place and they're going to have to move to the next place. And then they're going to meet some guy who's a dick. And so they have to kill the dick while they're fighting the zombies too. A couple of their friends die. They meet some new people. They move on to the next place. And it's just going to continue like that because really what else can you do with it? Right. The end. So I don't. I don't know. 
did he say he has the end in his head? I feel like I saw that. I've, yeah, I've, I've read that Robert Kirkman does have an idea of what he wants to do to end it, but I don't think, I think he's going to ride that gravy train for a little while. And at least, you know, in the comics too, he does have, you know, a lot of creative control that he can, you know, like like he did a time jump uh, a few issues ago, you know, like he, he just decided, okay, like we're just going to stop, you know, jump another year or two. And, you know, he can do that because it's his comic and it's creator owned and he doesn't have to answer like Marvel and DC and stuff. If you're a creator for there, you have to go in front of like a board of people and pitch stuff. And, you know, a lot of times that's why these stories get overly complicated or all about sales and stuff like that. And it's it's tough to, to make a good story and that kind of stuff unless it's creator owned. So Kirkman does have uh, that advantage because he's got a lot of people reading, but he also has, uh, you know, he basically runs the company. Like, he's more or less, you know, controlling the property. The TV show, I think he he does have, he does have some creative control, but there's definitely people that he has to answer to, and there's other people involved. Oh, sure. Yeah, I don't know what's worse, like, trying to make a, a TV show or trying to make a movie. I think now, from what it seems like trying to make because it seems like they're greenlighting a lot more TV. Mm. And uh, I think that they're, they're willing to go places or movies they're losing money all the time. Right. And I think they're kind of pulling back the floodgates a little bit on a lot of stuff. It's like just looking at what's coming out. Yeah. I mean, that's depressing. TV is way more short attention span digestible product, too. So you, you're not putting all your eggs in one basket when you, when you make you have a shitty two-week run of a show yeah. and bring everybody yeah. in. Yeah, look at right. you know, the movie, you're screwed. Yeah, mm-hmm. look at Walking Dead. I mean, the amount of times people are complaining, like, oh, it's just lost. Or, like, and then two weeks later, it's like, holy shit, like, people are just going nuts about that episode. It's like, it's, it can just kind of bounce around where, you know, that's a normal progression in a film. Right. I mean, you, know, you have to have that, and otherwise you can't have the whole thing nonstop action and then... With that. Yeah, and I, I mean, I'm one of those nerds that likes character development and shit, you know. So, you know, I want to see those episodes. I want to care about them. Otherwise, it's just a Friday the 13th movie. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, it, and still going back through all the old episodes, I'm in season three now. That was the one with Jimmy Smith, so I don't know why I got that confused. Oh, yeah, and the other episode, yeah, that's I right. I that after season four for some reason. Mm. I don't know what I thought season three was, but we're going through that. It's like, even that one, I remember the time watching, it's like, ah, mm-hmm. it kind of just seemed like it was going a little, but they came back in season four, and that's like what, one of the best seasons of television, period, for anybody were you a, I couldn't, and I was listening to your podcast last week, and uh, I couldn't watch Dexter for the one reason you like to watch it, because I can never get past his character not being a gay guy from 16 uh, <laughs> it, 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 it never went away. <laughs> I watched the first two seasons, I was like, it's, it's still... Yeah, the best that I had was I watched Dexter before I saw 16 Under. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what that's when, mm-hmm. when I watched 16 Under, I was like, oh my god, if I saw this first. Yeah. Even, after, even after seeing Dexter first watching 16 Under, I still was picturing him from Six Feet Under. I'm like, oh my god, if I didn't watch all of Six Feet yeah. Under and then went to that, I'd be like, holy shit, I don't know if I... Because that, that, 
that kind of just shows, though, the ability that he has to do that, to go from such a defining character on a defining show to another defining character on another defining show that's totally opposite. And people know him, like they will call him, but I can't think of what was his character name, that's okay. Dave, okay. Like people will say him, see him and call him David, people will call him Dexter. And that's how they will know him. But like that's how much he is in the world. It's so weird. Like I can't even think that like, all right, you have people coming up to you and, and thinking that you are a gay man from a funeral home and people come up to you and thinking you are a serial killer. <laughs> like you could not get more opposite. What he needs to do is, you know, not do any more movies like Gamer, first of all. And then second of all, uh, you know, establish himself as like a Daniel Day Lewis of TV shows where like think of think of his film career. Like think of Daniel Day Lewis. Like he has done so many awesome movies with great defining roles and he just does them every couple years because he's probably sitting there with his agent like let's find the really good script that's actually memorable instead of doing such bullshit in between like so many actors do like and 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 it's wasted in the long run because then you lose that credibility and then you know you have to hope that maybe there's that comeback at some point you know that really solid script that's going to make you come back zombie movies now or whatever because it was they were the way they were developed and the way they were done there was you didn't see I mean nothing, nothing was um, you weren't like walked through the movie with information and then a lot of the series you never saw so it was pretty intense and now we either try to walk you through the whole movie or from like a uh, creative control standpoint like the, the shows that are awesome are typically somebody does have creative control like Game of Thrones or whatever and then Story arcs. I think that's a big one. A lot of people go on their shows with no end in sight, and they have no direction, and it's right to make an episode. As opposed to a lot of these great shows, they kind of know where they want to go with it. So there's no like, oh, I gotta come up with something new because we're gonna keep going and going and going. Which yeah, kind of going on with a little bit of walking. I think they're kind of getting away from the comic, and they're like, they gotta start writing yeah. stuff and then see what what they have on. They have a good idea for a season. Yeah, and their whole game is to hopefully we survive, and it's such a waiting game. But then by the time it's like, oh, we're gonna go, oh, oh, oh. and now it's let's figure out where we're gonna go. But sometimes they don't even have that mapped out fully. They just have a kind of an idea of what would it basically be the equivalent of like two more episodes or something like that, not another season. And then, yeah. like even looking at Walking Dead, first season was six episodes, and then you're going in for twelve or fifteen. So Something like that, yeah. So then you're, you're going that much more, and you have to flush out all those things and figure out how to keep an audience. And then they, they start, I mean, it was genius how they started Walking Dead. I mean, they started right at Halloween. You had a six-week run right up before Christmas. Like, you have that sweet spot of fall. Like, that's, for that kind of show, perfect. And then you made everybody wait a year. Right. I mean, they, just, they built that up to have that, and then they just kind of started going on its own. But, you know, a lot of times they get well i was just gonna i was just gonna say like lost is like the example of the people who lie and tell you that they totally have an ending when they totally don't they actually just they sit online wait for all the fan theories to come in and how it's going to end and then just pick the best one like oh yeah that sounded like a good idea like that guy 
that guy, we should have him as a writer. Fuck that. Well, we'll get paid to do it. And then they just make up their own ending to it because that's what it seemed like. It seemed like they, they kept talking in interviews like, oh, yeah, we've got this plan or whatever, but it, it, it just it didn't feel that way. And then it kind of, to me, it got disjointed by, by the end. One, it's it's literally all the whole show is character development for the first three to four seasons. It's all it was really. The show didn't start until season three because they had to introduce the twenty-seven main characters. Right. Yeah. And then, um, and then um, it, it, it split into two groups. You give a shit about the science or the science fiction portion, or you give a shit about the people. Right. And that's kind of where it jumped the shark when people were really into the science. The science fiction part of it, they kind of push it to the side and just kind of complete all the character um, loops or whatever, and then that pissed off certain people. So if you like sci-fi, then the show kind of got lost. If you're in the characters, I think they, they did an okay job. didn't mind the ending. Hmm. You don't get whatever her name was. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you that. Sure, no. <laughs> whatever her name was, I don't know what she is. <laughs> so, uh, what do you think of Hetty? Hetty was awesome. Just a lot, a lot of really great flavor in every in every uh, sip. It was just, uh, it was really good. I, I enjoyed it a lot. That's one of the most sought after. This is, you know, I'm thinking now. I wasn't even planning this. This is a good E-plus. Actually, I'm, I'm real. I've never done the back to back, and I'm kind of. I just literally before you said that popped right. I'm like, mm, this is kind of cool. Yeah, and I've never thought of that as I laid these out. But Hetty is like my like. I wish that was my. Lawnmower beer, like that's what I want to yeah. drive around and drink all the time. That's what it is. It's, yeah, it's, and it's, it's just I, I love it. It's one of those beers, like look, it's got a lot of hype, and realistically, in anything, very few things can live up to the kind of hype that it's on. And it's not the beer's fault. It's not the movie's fault. It's not whatever. Um, I mean, oftentimes it's marketing fault. But like, mm-hmm. yeah, we have like especially in the craft beer thing. A lot of times it's not their fault. Like they just kind of got shoved into the limelight, and Alchemist definitely was that. I mean, they had issues. Where um, the people were going to the brewery so much, they're parking in the neighbor's yards because the brewery wasn't made to sustain a large. They were they were small neat brewery, and as they grew, like you had so many people come, they couldn't keep up with demand, and people were going to visit the brewery and they're parking out the neighbor's yards in front of their houses, blocking them in. And the neighbors got all pissed off at them constantly. So where they, the new place is open now, right? I believe they, 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 they won't have to move and everything because they had so many issues. And they wanted a bigger facility to have more ability to produce more beer because that's they're always at capacity. Mm. But it's just it got so hyped up online, all these places, because it was hard to get. I mean, that's ultimately what a lot of the, the hype is around is when a beer is very limited. If that was everywhere, and you see it all the time, like there are beers that are everywhere. Like you know, we had Ruination on here. That's a great. Like, there's a lot of really good beers that are widely available. People are like, eh, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> And that because a lot of it is just bragging rights more than anything. Mm-hmm. Like that's sort of I just being able to take a photo of it and be like, oh, look at it. Like, don't just post your throwing the middle finger. Like, what, this, what I mean, look at you. That's the reaction you're going for. Sure. And it, that, that kind of ruins it. But I mean, Teddy is a really good beer. If you can find it, definitely worth trying it. Um, I wouldn't kill myself for it. But I yeah, I, I, I do wish uh, more IPAs had that flavor, though. Yeah, it is, that's the kind of the new, what do they call it, New England style? Yeah, you're New England. It's just your new school hop with yeah. a lot of your tropical fruits and, and citrus. And but it's unfiltered. I think you've seen a lot of them. That's what they're kind of going to do. Especially if you go up to Vermont. Oh, we didn't drink from the can. 
We're screwed now. That drain port. I'm going to go cough it up. Hold on a sec. So, crack open the next one, which is a good one of the most sought after Wexports of IPAs, the Declining the Elder. Another one that has a ton of hype around it. Russian River is fairly limited in the distribution, but they do have a wider footprint than Alchemist does. You can actually get a lot of Russian River beers down in Philly and things like that. And Pliny, if you're in the whole beer trading thing, it's a lot easier to get someone to get you Pliny than it is to get somebody to get Pliny. Yes, because it actually gets distro yeah. out there yeah. pretty decently. Um, I know Hetty gets uh, distro up, up there, but I think that was because they were moving and they had to get it out yeah. so people wouldn't come there. And plus, I mean, Russian River, how many beers did they make? Uh, their production, whereas Hetty, I think um, Alchemist made just canned Hetty for a long time. Yeah, they do two beers. The thing that's cool in Alchemist is actually, uh, I remember coming across because the Vermaster has a couple of recipes, even a bunch of gluten free beers. Because his wife has celiac disease, which is really sad. Mm-hmm. He has <laughs> one of the most sought after beers in the world, and his wife can't drink it. It's like really sad. So he, like, tried to brew all these, like, gluten free recipes. So I don't know how much he has available, but they, they had a lot more. I remember getting a, uh, an issue of Brew Your Own where they had a bunch of different recipes from the alchemists that weren't any topper that were also double IPAs and IPAs and other things. I didn't ever really try any of them. No, I still have it at some point. I'll, I need to find time for that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, yeah, they have a lot of other stuff. But I mean, Russian River has a vast portfolio. I mean, dwarfs. Yeah, I would say their facility is probably a lot bigger. Oh, yeah. I, I don't, I've never been to either one, so I don't know specific. But Russian River has a lot more out there, and Pliny's been around a lot longer too, and was, I think, pretty much Teddy Topper kind of for a while dethroned Pliny as the most sought after beer. I mean, Pliny was the one everybody was always trying to get. Yeah, Pliny was yeah. dark lords and things like yeah. that. But I mean, Pliny as far as as far as double IPAs, which is also yeah. kind of the one people love. Pliny was there, and then kind of heavy once that started picking up, and kind of be thrown that. Now they're, they're both kind of out there, but just Pliny a little bit easier for people to get a hold of because of the distribution. But it's like it's two markedly different beers, so yeah. they can be kind of put up against each other. Like a lot of people do that, you know. I was gonna say, what are what what do you guys think in comparison? Like, which one would you prefer? Heavy. Hmm. I don't know. I really like Pliny. I like. I don't. I think it's one of those things where it kind of depends on the mood. Like it's. Pliny to me is an end of the day. I think it's because it's maltier. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like an end of the day, sit down, relax beer. Heady is kind of like a during the day, doing some stuff outside beer. Yeah. That's just kind of how it comes up. Yeah, they're both good. Yeah, it's not better saying one sucks and one sucks. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it's just, I, I mean, I've never been a huge West Coaster, so I like your new school stuff. I like citrus, I like chocolate fruit, stone fruit, all that stuff. And, can you give them one that? If you gave me the option between these two or greatly uh, Joey, they take that Joey all day long. It's just that's mm-hmm. my kind of beer in that you pick up everywhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's a matter of taste. Yeah, there's a lot. Of, that's the interesting thing with the West Coast and East Coast thing. It's just, what I like about Pliny is, as opposed to some other West Coast or poppers, and have that cat pee, overly dense smell that I despise. I absolutely hate that. I don't know if you, I'd have to find a beer to show that to you. But you have a cat yeah, right here. Yeah. But that's I think one of those smells I remember hearing about it. When I was first getting into craft beer, I remember hearing as I was coming around. And then I never 
pay attention. I don't remember what one it was. And having it the first time, I'm like, oh, oh, I get it. This is awful. And I just <laughs> could not get beyond it. And I think it was something strong. I've been sublimely self-righteous. For some reason, that's what I'm thinking when that first came out. I think, but I mean, I remember having it before and now they stopped making it, but um, it, didn't they change it or something? I just remember being really crappy unless it was super fresh. Maybe that's what it was when I first had it. Talking the wrong guy. And I, I'm not a big stone guy. <laughs> but I, 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 I think that's what it was. I don't know, but it just made me really sensitive to it when I realized like, what it was and and then you start to notice another West Coast IPA. When you find it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it'll happen sooner or later. It'll kill you so bad. But no, it's like with Pliny that doesn't have that. It has kind of more of a hot bouquet. It's more pine than most of the, the East Coast ones. But you still have some of like the, the fruit notes, a little bit of citrus, but it's more pine than... Yeah, it's delicious is what it is. But, um, yeah, it's just a matter of... It's, it's definite East versus West. Not in, like, one going battling each other. But it's yeah, yeah. But it's it, they're definite showcases. They're definite textbook definitions of the, of yeah. the style. So. Yeah, and then when people would say, you know, especially now with the way, the way thing, I mean, it used to be the textbook double IPA East Coast was Dogfish ninety and Pliny. That's kind of where it always was, but now it's kind of leaning more towards heady because that's where a lot of the breweries are going. It's, it's mostly just the big differences. There's newer hops that are available, but also the unfiltered. That's the big mm-hmm. change that a lot of them are going through now. Like there's that Hill Farm set up in Vermont, which is another one that's really sought after. Um, and they have mm-hmm. an Abner, it's called, which we did on the radio show. Did you have that at all? Uh, I've had it. Um, all Hill Farms up here is look like butter and scratch soup, pretty much. Yeah, completely unfiltered. You don't know what you're getting, you're like, well, uh, that's like some of them I love to set up some kind of camera. Or like an average guy, and you somehow, it can't be like a guy who's drank Miller Lite his whole life. But you can't, you can't force it on him and say, "Oh, I want you to try this new thing." And you have to get him to willingly go into this brewery, you know, knowing he's going to get something different, but looking forward to it, and then pouring something like that just to see yeah. the, the facial reaction that they're going to give because they knew it was going to be different, and just have that confused look of. <laughs> it's not. It's not blue moon. I mean, blue moon's cloudy, and you see that, but it's not on that level. Like that. Do you ever get a small portion of that on Tuesdays at all? Like, just people don't they get the sample thing? Oh. And then they'll be like, mm, like even with a sour, like someone doesn't know that what it is. Whenever I'm doing a tasting thing and there's something weird that I can tell, I'll mention. Why? Just want to watch them experience it. <laughs> or throw them to the wolves, whatever. Like, wanted to die. 
because it was just like a hitter and it was like, oh, and like a face, like you curdled, and, and it was like, oh yeah, I forgot. Because you just, you know, honestly, we're in this bubble of like, you yeah. try this and it's like, if you don't like it, you're just not remember that you don't make the, oh God, I'm yeah. going to kill myself face. But like, some people are getting into it. It's a face of the real They really have no idea what the hell is coming. And especially with beers like this, like these big double IPAs, like those are the ones the really fun people that have never had stuff because they have absolutely no idea what they're getting into with <laughs> a lot of that stuff. But I don't know. It's an interesting thing just to see this going. But I wanted to kind of get these in just to kind of talk because it just got me thinking with George being gone and, and going after that stuff because we've all – and I remember being younger, that's, that was my whole thing was going after that stuff. And that was because, you know, when you're younger and you're stupid, it was the bragging rights thing. It was trying to get – back then it was a lot of trying to get CDs. Well, the, I think it's a lot like, because um, I used to go, I used to go every two weeks, I used to go to New York, Bleaker Street, record shopping, every two weeks, and it was like, that's what I did, and that's like a nine, ten hour ordeal, and it's mm-hmm. kind of like what a lot of people like George are doing now, it's like, they're record shopping, but yeah. records are beer, yeah. you know what I mean, because it's like, yeah, now now we digitally download whatever, you know what I mean, it's just easy access, instant access, so it's like, I've done that, but I'm not, no, I have eBay and friends, yeah, yeah, so... I <laughs> I even have, I, I still have them somewhere. I think on my parents' attic. I used to have all like the vinyl and stuff. And I used to get those yeah. limited edition colored vinyl presses, like only five hundred of it. And some of them, like you look up now, because I, I had a, I had a thought. I remember um, Thursday, their first album, and that came out. Victory put out like I don't know. It was a very limited run of colored vinyl. I think it was like purple vinyl. And for some reason, I thought. Oh, I'm going to get ahead of this. I'm going to buy two copies and I'm going to sit on them. They're probably worth less than what you originally paid It dawned on me a couple months ago and I was like, oh, you know what? I, forget. I, I still have them. They're probably still good. I just went online. I never even took them out of the sleeve. Like They're never even taken out. I never played them, nothing. They didn't have a record player. There's no point in that. But I, I went and looked on eBay and I'm like, oh, they because <laughs> it's like if you're gonna make that investment, make sure it's a band <laughs> I've all, I've learned to collect only things that I really like looking at on my shelf. Because if it's just gonna sit on my shelf for the rest of my life, I want to be sure that I still like looking at it. You have to think when I'm dead, someone's gonna come in here and judge me unfairly. <laughs> they're gonna find this. <laughs> they're gonna find this on the shelf. They liked Hanson. I don't know. Thirteen copies of different vinyl from them, but uh, that's cool. Whatever. But that was that was. I mean, that was a big '90s thing, really. The, the '90s into the early aughts, and, and like having those. I remember going to shows. You would remember Rick to Life um, selling his vinyl at all the hardcore shows and everything. Like that was the thing. Like buying the CDs, and and it's just that's so weird to me that that world is, is gone. See, well, the, the, the final thing was a little bit more for me because then, like, when me and all the guys, so like Carl and all those guys from home base, and we did like all the electronic music stuff, it's all vinyl based stuff. So it was like you had to buy records every two weeks, otherwise, you just you had to. So it's just you end up with racks and racks. I have records, a lot of them, <laughs> and yeah, like they're there, they're still there, and <laughs> I'll never sell them because I'm one of those weird pack rack yeah. people that just, I consume my stuff. I'm not I'm, like I have stuff that. Put on shelves, and I like looking at it, but like I've never been to like, 
Oh man, this Transformer might be worth money. Maybe I shouldn't take it out of the package, you know? Like, my ex-wife was like that person. And when we finally moved in together, she, I was like, Voltron! <laughs> 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 and she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, playing with me? It's <laughs> 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 I'm like, what are you going to do? You going to sell them? No. Let me play with Vulture. I have to throw this out there because I want this to also be on record because it's one of the funniest prank calls. A friend of mine did this. Boston. Oh, yes. We come around here and we used to work at Blockbuster and one of our favorite things to do was prank everybody possible uh, while we were working. But I don't know if this was on the clock or not, but uh, he called, because I my problem with prank calls is I can only take it so far and then I would crack. Because like I, my problem is I always put myself in the shoes of the other person and it makes it so funny to me because I'm like, oh my God, if I was getting this call, I'd be laughing so hard and I lose it. He could be so deadpan. He called uh, some video, I don't know, I like a Best Buy, some some electronic store, and called and said that he was having a problem with his DVD player. And I said, oh, okay. He said, well, um, my DVD was skipping. And I said, okay. So, so he goes, so I took it out, and I, I remember seeing somewhere to smear honey on it. So I covered it with honey, and I put it back in. And now my DVD player, is just, it, it, it won't work. Something's wrong with it. I, I don't know what's going on. And the guy's like, um... Uh, I can just be so cool to say this because you could tell he wanted to say, like, what's wrong with you? Or, and then he said, well, um, what I decided to do right before I called you, the, the main issue is I, uh, I thought one of the best ways to get the honey out would be to soak it in the bathtub. <laughs> 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 so I, I put it in water uh, and it sat there for a while, and uh, now it's just it's not working at all. <laughs> and the guy just goes, uh, See, at what point do you realize, like, this has got to be a joke? But then you think about, like, all the stupid customers that you've had over the years, and you're like, no, legitimately, this could actually happen. That's what makes people working customer service so bad at prank calling, because you know you get some of the most ridiculous. Like, I remember working in East Orchard Pacific somewhere when I was younger, and I still remember this to this day. Like, this woman came in with shoes covered in dirt ripped and torn up like they were years old and I remember coming in saying yeah I like to return these and like uh you can't they're obviously used I just bought these yesterday <laughs> <laughs> and they weren't even made anymore I don't know where they were they were years old yeah but uh, no you didn't yes I did I want to talk to your manager and then you have to go through that whole fun thing right and you just stand there like how do these people exist in this world today, well, not today, but 15 years ago, but how do they exist? And then, like, how do they manage to get out of their house and get to the mall? It's <laughs> kind of where my, my head goes, like, when, at what point did your brain say, yeah, that'll work. Yeah. Go go for that. And completely follow through. And it didn't work. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but, I mean, like, when you go through that, you see customer service in the front line, I'm sure you... That's a sigh of a person who's done his time. You have people that come in. Um, I work at a tattoo shop. That's great. And then 
uh, the, the people that we have for them. You, you just be amazed. Well, it is downtown. Pierce your baby's nipples. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, wait, uh, or it's just like the weirdest stuff you possibly imagine. That's a joke. But, uh, uh, like, there's people, like, the best one this is the best one. Because we, you know, we don't tattoo anybody under 18. And someone will call. This happens so often. They'll call and be like, what time are you open till? 8 o'clock. Okay. And hang out. And then they come in an hour later and they're like, I'd like to get my 14 year old son, like, Tattoo would be like, oh, you know, we don't tattoo on our team. And they'll go on like a nine minute tirade about how we didn't explain that to them. And I'll be like, what, 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 what did you did you call? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, well, what, did you ask us? What did you ask us? What time you wrote until? I'm like, and what else? And they're like, yeah, I'm not. I'm like, I'm a mind reader, apparently. I'm supposed to be like, assume everybody knew. Oh, wait, wait, man, we're on. Yeah, that happens so often, it's not even funny. It's ridiculous. The people, you know, and it's, I don't know, man. Two things. One, we give general public way too much credit. And two, yeah. George Panda, if you believe it, if you believe your own lie, it's true. So a lot of that lady probably thought she bought him the day before. Oh, yeah. She believed oh, yeah, it that's herself. That's, like, that's, that's, she believed that. That's the key to being a lie detector. Like, it, it's not so much like trying to get the person in front of you to believe you. It's like you convincing yourself that that's the truth and going in and doing and you'll never back down because you have that on loop in your head. Like, this is okay, this is normal, whatever it is, or I'm not making this up, this really happened. And you can go so far with that if you have that, if you have that ability. I mean, it's, it's also you know, the ability of a sociopath, but you, know, you can kind of really go down that, that road pretty far if you allow yourself to, to believe the fictitious world in which you live in. People also take drugs for that as well, but, you know, there's a lot of things within that. <coughs> Welcome to dealing with the public. So, yeah, yeah, anyone that's looking at working customer service knows this kind of <laughs> so much. And the people make fun of if you say, "Hey, you you, you listen to the podcast," and they're like, "What time is the podcast?" Here? <laughs> <laughs> is the podcast here? Is that what like, they don't know. Mm-hmm. You heard it on the radio, and I don't know what time you guys came up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's another fun thing to explain to people. Podcasts are. Well, you know, it's it's a phenomenon that you'll have around here and not a lot of other places because, you know, we're, we're always just a few years behind the times, and I'm being generous with that statement. So, uh, you know, Northeast PA in general, you know, always kind of catches on a, a couple years after the fact. So this podcast will be huge in like two or three years, I think. Yeah. yeah. And then the... Um Yeah, that was a really good thing I was going to say. I totally forgot. I guess. I've listened to your guys' podcast before, and you you go on a lot of stuff. We also do a lot of comic book stuff. I was never a comic book book person, but I I wish, and I'm sure both of you think about this on a daily basis when you deal with people, I should have, like, Judge Dredd-type powers. Because if I talk to somebody, like, I have such a, I believe I have such a balanced moral ethical core. I'm an asshole. I do a lot of weird shit, but... You know, I never speed ahead in traffic. I'm at an open lane. I don't take more than 15 items in a 15 mile the left lane. I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm an actual dude. And I think I should be able to, like, kill people. Here's the thumb. Like, and that's not a joke. Isn't that so like pretty much it. Yeah, I mean, if you're going by dread ethics, definitely. <laughs> yeah, that was one thing. Like, we talked about here before. I tried, when I was younger, I used to try to really get into comics. And it was just, a lot of my friends, like, growing up, like, most of my friends were, we were more into music. And I think, like, that's, that's the issue with, with the brains that we're given. You can only have a certain set 
of things that you could have that with. And mine was kind of music and horror movies. Like, that was just kind of where my brain went when I was a kid. And playing, like, weird comedies, that was the other thing I was obsessed with. Like, I remember the first time I saw Monty Python and, like, oh, my God. That was, that was probably the hardest time I ever laughed was when I saw it for the first time. I was 12, maybe. <laughs> and I had to stop it. Like, were you a Monty Python fan or See, and it it, it, sh- it when when you watch it that young too, it totally shapes how you see comedy for the rest of your life. Because I grew up with that too. Because my my parents were smart enough; like they were the kind of you see more of this parenting now actually than you do when when I was growing up, where it was like you know they they didn't necessarily you know censor me from anything. Like oh, you couldn't watch this, or you couldn't do that, or whatever. But they would kind of feed me like here's the good stuff. Like here's the real stuff that you want to be seeing. And so they were always giving me like that really cool those those great classic movies, great classic comedy things like that. So I grew up with a lot of really good stuff because my parents have good taste. So like Monty Python right away was like that was my introduction to like real comedy. Like this stuff's good. You know like a of course, I grew up with Mel Brooks and stuff like that and everything, but here's Monty Python, and that that to me shaped what comedy is from from then on. Like other people you meet, they don't get it. They're not they they, they don't I see the yeah yeah, and that's and that's cool. Like I, I'm I'm not you know saying those people have bad taste, but they have bad taste. No, I'm kidding. Uh, it's, it's, it's Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it's you know, doing just clicking to have it now, which is even more bizarre. 
And so we're like seeing that. I mean, all those, a lot of those labels from back then, too. I mean, Lookout was a whole other, they, they're gone, that was a whole other. And they were book about like what happened. He was just really shady from what everyone said, and like all these really awful things happened. And there's a whole book about it. I actually like to read it, seeing it, like I kind of grew up with all that. But a lot of those labels are so far gone now, and it's like so weird to see what. When we were younger, I don't know if you guys are the same, Mike. When I was younger, I looked at a lot of those bands. Like now that I'm, I'm older, I'm like the same age as them. I can't fathom like how did I look up to someone that was my age and think they're an adult and they have anything figured out because you know, know anything. Yeah. But when I was younger, looking at the bands that I looked up to that were probably barely able to survive with what they were, but I looked at them as rock stars or or something you know above me in, in some way. Like you just look at them different, where it, it seems so different now with social media. Like everyone's on the same level. Yeah, it's a it's a weird. I had a weird upbringing that like all my influences came from my brother. My dad was an odd dude. He didn't look, listen to music. He didn't watch sports. He didn't he watch sci-fi movies, and that's it. So a bulk of my influence came from like everything from the '80s. Uh, that's where I grew up. My brother's like ten years older than me. My oldest brother. So it was all like cheese stuff, like drinks and freaking all that stuff, which I still love to this day. But then from there, it was more like trying to find stuff on my own. And I, I grew up, I was like everybody, like, what were you, a punk kid? What were you? Uh, more of a metal kid. Yeah, I was an industrial kid. I was your ministry, I was your chem lab, I was just trying to send Yeah, that's where I came from, you know what I mean? You were a long black jacket? No, you know, you were an industrial kid. You were just from music. Kid. Industrial music. No, I was. I was always just like, I never gave two shits about work. Or no matter what, no mesh arm or leggings. <laughs> I, I have no comment. <laughs> <laughs> but then, like, that's kind of where I came from, and the, the music I was into, and then just kind of like learn shit from there. And you know, what I mean, starting getting into like all the old rock, old rock pre, I would say pre eighties rock was like discovering things for me almost later. You know, like a lot of 80s rock or hardcore metal, like a Leeway or like bands like that are like got into like younger, but then it's like discovering older stuff was kind of like ass backwards. Like, cause I think like your parents or your parents would glean a lot of that old music information or show information was kind of like going backwards for me. Well, as far as music for me, my parents were the least influential. <laughs> uh, I grew up in a house with. Uh, 60s folk music, like that was as heavy as it got. If, it, if that guitar was then plugged into an amplifier, no way. <laughs> 60s folk? Was your middle name Moonbeam? <laughs> my parents have all the, the, the trappings of being like these really old hippies that aren't hippies. Yeah. Never were into any of it. But that's what they, it's so it's bizarre. I can't even explain. But it's like that was the record collection they had. Like I remember when I was a kid, like flipping through the, and they, they probably wouldn't be worth money now if they still have, but they had like old seven inches of like the Beatles. They had like all the old seven inches, but I mean, like, you know, before they kind of went weird, the Beatles. Yeah. Like, or they, it was, it, they just kind of had all this, like, that's what it was, it was just like a lot of folk stuff. Yeah. My my, uh, my mom was to music, but she was a four foot ten off the boat from Scotland woman who was never an American citizen. So literally, you walked into my house and it was like a Twilight Zone movie. It was either Patsy Klein or like bag thug music. But yeah, it's, like, it's just so weird like, thinking about like, then the 80s, in the 80s, my father was a little more progressive. Except for the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> but, it was, but it was tough. Um, 
like nothing like out there. It was like what was there on the radio, like that kind of popular rock stuff. So it was like pop rock music. That was as extreme as I got. So when I got into what I got into, it was kind of like I only knew how to deal with me or talk to me. Because yeah. it was like when I got into it, I was fucking, I was gone. Like I was yeah. full blown gone. I mean, like I had blue hair. I was punk kid. Like, <laughs> but it was funny because like I never went down the route of like punk kid, like dropping out. Like, that, to me, when I think punk, I think of like SLC punk. Like those, like that to me is like when I say punk, like, that's what I think. So I don't think of me as you were not heroin, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I never went down that road. Like I just kind of knew to stay away from that. Like I was, I, I was. Yeah, for, for what you would consider, I was a straight edge kid all through high school. Like I did, I thought nothing. But I didn't really follow that term because everyone knew that was straight edge and there was crisis and there was dick. <laughs> like that's all I remember. Is I remember hearing stories of people going there was a venue. Those remember on your CCs. Oh yeah. That was like the straight edge club around here. That's where all straight edge play. Like that's where crisis. But I remember hearing all these stories about them like beating the shit out of people like they were smoking. And like, I'm like, I don't know, a bunch of dicks. <laughs> because, because to me, it was like, I didn't like that. I didn't like drinking, which is funny where my life has taken me now. I kind of avoided all that stuff. And then I would hear all these stories about it and maybe like not want to have anything to do with that tag. Yeah, that, that bro mentality. Yeah, that's, it, it, that's one thing that's so funny with with any pack mentality, especially in that, like with hardcore and punk, like most of the people that were into it, when they got into it, a lot of times because they felt alienated from the jocks or, or the popular kids didn't like them. Or, yeah, so then they act like jocks. Yeah, so they act like dickheads. <laughs> it makes no sense. No, they, they just turn around and act like dickheads with the people that they thought were acting like dickheads. Well, how I, rem- I remember reading an interview with Trent Reznor a while back where, you know, like before he completely started, like he, he got his life together and then started sucking at music. Uh, like when, when he was when he was on heroin and doing good shit, um, he, you know, like real. Yeah, like like really good music. Um he he was uh, he would talk about how like the jocks would start showing up to his shows and he's like these are, like he's like I'm making this music for the people that used to beat me up in school and now they're at my shows beating people up at my shows like it doesn't make any sense like this is not what I expected to happen you know but I think now like he's kind of freely accepted it at this point like I don't I don't know if he he's really like no, totally not. No. Yeah, no. Yeah, right. Everything that they posted. 
to just start over because of employers, because of all, because mm-hmm. like, it, it, it's their choice. They're not going to be forced into it, I think, but they will, they will give them that choice to erase everything that they did. Yeah, because some of that stuff will follow you for the rest of your life. Like, I was down on 13, like, I was a stupid kid. I don't like, I, mean, I couldn't fathom that. So what you're saying right now is get a couple programmer friends start recording everybody's data and you become like oh resonance about everybody for people in Europe because that's gonna be a million dollars if you don't go. Right. Because it's on the internet, it's this, it's not going away. I don't care what happens. So you might as well write out all those little picky <laughs> Because you know what? There'll, there'll be companies that pop up to erase stuff, and there'll be companies that pop up to save everything. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They're going to play both sides. It's, it's the, the con that your, your buddy with the buddy beer pulled. Basically, right. in your version. Which, by the way, I wanted to mention, how do you not know the guy who owns the auction is that guy's great-grandfather? He's just telling me the story to tell more of the beer now. No shit. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> right? <laughs> but it, it's just like looking through that. It's like I am so happy to not have that because I couldn't imagine. Like I feel so bad for like kids now. It's like it's bad enough that one, you know, the shit we like, we people were picked on in high school or, or you know any of this stuff, which to me I can say that's the normal part of growing up. Like you're going to go through that. Like, you need to go through that because you have to figure out who you are. And the way you figure out who you are is like figuring out who you aren't. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to go through that shit. But now, you know, it used to be that when we went home, we were home, we were safe in our room. Worst case, maybe someone prank called you and said, oh, you're a and hung up or something like that. You know, that was hoping that your parents didn't pick up because then they just immediately bail on the whole thing anyway. But now it's like, it's never ending. Yeah. Like, that's the stuff that I can't even fathom. Like, how do you go through that or like that the, the balls that some of the kids have now are bigger than like we would ever have. Right. And like that's stuff that really blows me away is to go through this every day and then go home with it and then still be able to get through it. It's like that's the stuff I can't even fathom like how much better we had it. Yeah. And when we at the time we thought it was you know the worst if you were going through stuff. Sure. But now it's totally different. Well, I mean, look, look at like bullying; it doesn't stop. You know, like it, it's on social media all the time, or it's like, oh, you know, let's let's film this kid getting beat up and then put it on the internet, so then a hundred million people see it, as opposed to the ten people in the lunchroom at the time. You know, like it's 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 at a whole new level now. So, I mean, that's why you see this national conversation about that kind of stuff. You know, about these issues because it's not what it used to be, and there, you, you hear a lot about this. You know, these people who think like, oh, well, all kids are pussies now or all kids are just not, you know, they're not as tough as they used to be or whatever. And it's like, eh, you know, I guess in certain extents, maybe you could say that. But exactly there you you can't you can't do that when you have all this new technology and you have all these new ideas floating around. It's just not the same world that they grew up in. Even just like getting through school in general, now it's all about standardized testing and shit. It has nothing. Yeah, I mean that's a whole other conversation. But like you know, to to gloss over a huge fucking problem, like that's that's such an uh, that's such a it changes the way that you got through the entire thing. Even just like when I was leaving. 
uh, high school, like I graduated right before they started the whole final project thing. And then, you know, all the kids around here in, in our school district anyway, had to do, you know, had to build up a final project for the end of the year and then present that and then get graded on that and stuff. And that like, it was more about like what your interests are and stuff like that, but it's just going to become more and more standardized as it goes along. Mm. They just brought every other district had them, and they just brought them in for us to do it the first time, and they were very loose with it. Right. The where they, they, they didn't even know what they were doing, and I actually I forgot to, to do mine. <laughs> and um, I used to do, my senior year, I used to do a radio show at, I always confused Wilson King, but one of those two. <laughs> don't remember which one, but I used to do a Saturday night radio show down there. And uh, the whole thing was going to be about doing a radio show, blah, blah, blah. And I forgot to ever record one of them. Because what I was going to do was play part of that as part of my skin. So I did I set up a tape recorder in my room and uh, just kind of played music in the background. Just talked into the thing and just brought that in and played it. And they were fine with it. <laughs> they didn't tell. I, I did a good job, but it was just like, that's what I did. Talk about a con job. Yeah, I was, I'm like, it was the night before I had to do it, too. Of course. Why wouldn't you wait the night before? Sure, absolutely. What else do you do? So I just, I wound up doing that. I was like, oh, God, I can't imagine. But then now it's like it's you have to you have to do these ridiculous tests that, you know, it's like who judges exactly, like, what you should or shouldn't know. And a lot of this stuff, it's it's like it depends on, you know, what you learn throughout the year. Like, you take, a, you know, just taking the SATs and stuff like that when I was in school – a lot of the stuff that was on the SATs was like stuff that we never covered, you know, like no teacher that I ever had. And especially if you went from school to school, because around here, there's a lot of private schools, there's a lot of public schools. You know, if you move just two inches down the street, then, oh, now you're in this district, so now you got to move to this school. So like each teacher, each district, they all had different standards, different ideas of what they should and shouldn't teach and stuff. So, I mean, like I went from a, like I, I was in a, a Catholic grade school and then a public high school. So like my, my experiences there were totally different like polar opposites and I definitely you know there was such a focus on different subjects and different ideas in terms of teaching at one school than there was at another that by the time you got to the SATs like you know I I didn't feel necessarily prepared you know but at that point they didn't matter as much like I did fine on them but it didn't matter as much as they, they do now. Like now it's like, it's absolutely essential. Like if you don't have certain grades, you're not going to make it to college, you know, so on and so forth. Like they'll, that'll follow you around the rest of your life. It's crazy. And there's so much pressure on not only the teachers, but the, the kids, you know, to get that stuff out there. And then, you know, the, the, the stuff that teachers have to deal with, like it's a whole other world for them too. From 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 high school? Yeah. I was just typing on the text and something, so I wouldn't pay attention when I got texted. honestly, um what did I do when I got home from school? I love I used to be absolutely one hundred percent addicted to fishing. Literally 
addicted to it. So I would come home. I grew up in the middle of nowhere. Like, yeah. you walk up my backyard, back door of my house, and you walk for five days and I didn't anything. And uh, so I used to just go home, grab my shit, and go in the woods, and I'd come home back. I mean, well, high school, once I turned 16, I was just... I grew up in Jersey, but I moved here when I was like 12, so I grew up in the Poconos, Goldsboro. I don't know if you know where Goldsboro is. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I was in the middle of nowhere. I was going to have to grow up around where the Jersey Devil was, because it's in the middle of nowhere. I was thinking Jersey. No, no, it was the middle of nowhere up here in the Poconos, uh, Goldsboro, so it was like, I used to do that. But I mean, once I, once I got a 16 and a driver's license, I threw parties and just drank that. Right, let's get back to the vagina here. I didn't get any. Nothing has changed. What were you talking about? Go, uh, go to what? Uh, if I was, it's like it's so different now with like high school. Like we would come home and it would be kind of a get a little chance to unwind. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was getting at. Was like we all had a chance to unwind, whereas now you don't unplug. Like you're still in contact with, with whatever you're still talking about. You know, it's the same thing with like with work. You know, people are constantly contacting you with work via text message or whatever because you're, you're never not in touch. Right. You don't have that ability to, to disconnect and like sit down. Like sometimes I remember coming home and, and I would come home and I remember there used to be what, is, what was the dance show MTV had in the '90s? Grind. Grind. Oh, oh yeah, I would be so mad when I would come home and that that show would be on. Because uh, yeah, Julie Brown? No, this was uh, this is gonna make me feel pathetic, but I mean, it was Eric from Eric Meat Meat from Real World. Yeah, and he used to host the grind, and I would come home and I'd see that on and I'd come, oh, God, damn it! And I'd have to go and do something, and then Singled Out would come on. And I always had to watch that because it was just fun to see people that I somehow thought were more pathetic than me, which I probably wasn't because I was, you know, 13 going, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a weird thing. Like, you're talking about bullying or you're talking about anything. Like, it's, it's, there's no disconnect. And I think the part is, like, I don't think bullying was different back in the day. So he he bites the head off chickens. So he's he's actually a true geek. By the definition of geek. Thank you. That life where he's like in the middle of nowhere, he you know farms his own food, does all that. You know, he goes out and does a regular job. But since he lives so far off the grid, I he doesn't have internet in his house. He doesn't. I don't get a cell signal when I go to the house. So when I go there, I'm there, and it's fucking fantastic. It's like it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is, it's the whole. It's a nice place to visit. You wouldn't want to be there. Because I like the world we live in. I'm not one of those people who like. I like where I live. I like that. Yeah. Yep. And it, 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 it sucks because cell phones have become such a thing that you, know, you have that thought of, like, oh, I'm just going to run out. I don't care. They may phone at home, whatever. But this, and I don't know if it's almost like it's like heroin because like, there's a little voice in the back of your head, like, what if something happens? Yeah. You're not going to have a phone, what are you going to do? And so you're just like, oh, I got to bring it. <laughs> and you, it's, it's bullshit. You don't need it. And then, like, oh, I have to go pick up something. I have to pick up a prescription from Rite Aid. And I'm like, oh, I'm just going to run out of my phone. And I'm like, 
<laughs> it's like you, it's like you can't leave it. It's like become in you. What's worse is the you go on the excursion. You do you know you're doing something like for example like Monday I went to like three breweries, but I'm recording stuff all the time. But after a brewery, I'm like. Oh, only 15%. Oh, no. Speaking <laughs> <laughs> time, um, I don't know anything to do. No, no, no. I got to really, you know, uh, what, 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 are you, what are you doing here? No, no, no. No, no, no. We don't want to and woke up at home on my couch. It was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and my phone was fully charged. Yeah. <laughs> you, you have to think about, like, what was my life like before this? Yeah, it, it, it's so, because I'm forgetting itself when I think it was my senior year, I got, a Nokia phone that was uh, prepaid. It was like, but it was before prepaid is to what prepaid is now. Where, but I, uh, it, it was like the normal thing. And if you had, like, as a teenager, like, I had a prepaid. And I, you know, the best I could hope for was I played Snake on my Nokia phone, and it, it didn't mean anything to me though. It was just a way of, like, if I was going to a friend's house, hey, I'm outside. Like that was the most that you used it instead of. Because, like, I, you know, we never like to go up and ring someone for a bell. <laughs> like, whatever way I can find to avoid going, even for friends, like, I love their parents, I never wanted to go up to the door about yeah. it. That, that was all I used it for, was, you know, I'm, I'm either I'm running late or I'm here. That was it. You didn't call anybody. It was just mostly for if, if their parents needed to call us. Like, that's what it was for, more receiving calls. And it was just so weird to, like, think back. Like, now it's, like, with us at all times, mm-hmm. and like just seeing that progression. Say, so I remember having like a Nokia up till probably like mid two thousand. That was really late with getting. Like I, I really started to get to right as the transition into like where cell phones became more smart. I didn't want anything to do with them. I mean, I had a flip phone up to maybe four years ago when I first got. Uh, any kind of smartphone for me. I don't, I don't care. I yeah. Really, I was like adamant that I don't care. But the only reason I wanted getting it was because I dropped my flip phone and broke it half. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't get anything else. I fought it. I fought it. I didn't get my first cell phone up until uh, about two or three months before her first iPhone. Like, I, I refused. Yeah. I was like, I do not want it. Until my ex, she was just like, you got to have a phone if I need to get a hold of you. You know what I mean? Because at that time I was commuting like an hour each way. And I was like, I was like, fine. I fought it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like nice. Like when you think back, it's like, oh, yeah, like it's so nice to think, like, you know, I can get a hold of me. Yep. You, can kind of, you can disconnect and just be a human being and not be whoever you're supposed to be when that call comes in. Like, you can just kind of be there. You don't have the email bombarding you. Like, now it's just, it's not even just calls. Like, now it's everything. Any way you can be contacted, if you get hit with it, it's like, come on, people are just going nuts. I I hate it as a journalist because like everybody wants to you know every everybody wants a piece of what you're doing, so you know you get yeah so you're get you're getting you're getting and every social media platform that you're on you're getting uh you know messages every day you're getting emails every day you're getting phone calls every day and then it's like then you feel bad because no matter what you do no matter how much work like if I just spent all day just answering those emails and telling everybody you know yes I'll do something on you on you and I'll I'll interview you and I'll do this or whatever I would never be able to fulfill any of that so therefore like half of those people are just going to hate me by default because like I didn't do anything on them and then the other half are going to love me because I took the time so it's like you you really can't win no matter what you do in that kind of world the worst part of it is you 
that's about the ones that you feel like you're letting down. Right. You do, you know, because I, you know, I'm, I'm like that kind of guy that like, I really want to help as many people as I can. And I want to, you know, uh, cover so much and do so much and write about so many people, but you just, you physically don't have the time and energy, you know, and then it's finding other people that are as passionate as you and then having them follow through with it too. You know, that's another thing. Like you meet so many people who are like, oh, I'd love to do what you do, or I'd like to do this, or I'd like to try it or things like that. And then they never actually follow through and, and do it because it's so it's so much time and energy and effort to do it. It's easy to say, yeah, I'll do it, but it's harder to, to do it. <laughs> right, exactly. That's what got me out of, that's why I stopped playing music after a while. I just, I, I, the last attempt I made at it, um, I, I was drumming for a pop punk band. I'm not saying names or anything in case anyone knows anything. Um, and, um, <laughs> we were supposed to do Warp Tour. And we had this whole thing booked. We were going to Canada and all that stuff. And we were like, all right, fine, we're doing this. And it was like two or three weeks before we were leaving. And the singer just quit. Right before we were getting ready to go, like everything was booked. I had to let work know I'm not going to be there. We're doing this. We're going here. And uh, we were supposed to be back for three months, too. It wasn't like we took a mini, like, a weekend, and uh, after that happens, I said, fuck this, I'm done. Because I could be into relying on other people, and like when, when people don't show that same work ethic or, or same desire or push, and it, it keeps falling on you, it's like, well, at what point is it not worth it anymore? Right. And that's what it, and it sucks, because like, it, it takes the passion that you have for something away because someone else's lack thereof or just laziness. Right. I mean, it was a little different then, because in Doing something else, that was just a dick move. Really. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing. But it was just like it, it just kind of got me to work. You know, I, I hate having and it. It makes me sound kind of like a dick saying this, but it kind of got to where I don't like having to rely on other people. Yeah, because it just sucks. Because it's like when you continually are let down by that, it kind of makes you pull back. Like, like and it, you know, it is true in a lot of things in life. Like you only rely on yourself and all that stuff, but. It sucks you don't want to live that way. I never wanted to think like that. You don't hate the thing you love, but yeah. that's going to make you not like the thing you love. Yeah. And, and it, it, it just sucks that when you continually have that. And like that's when you pull out of the pull out. Because it's like, I can't, I can't do this. Because it's like, I was like dead set. Like when I graduated high school, like I was going to make music a career. You know, I was a stupid teenager and didn't know fuck all about music, but I was going to do it. And it was just like continually like something would happen every time. And it was like, and I was always the, the driving force. So it made me get pissed off and just kind of go, all right, well, fuck it. Because I'm not going to keep pouring everything and all that. And I mean, it probably would be easier to do it now. Because that was back when the internet was first starting. So it was like, to really do something, I could really do something. Whereas now it's just a couple clicks and yep. maybe do the lazy man promotion stuff. Right. This was like having to mail out stuff, having to follow up and having to, you know, it's so weird. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, it, it, the whole being bombarded thing and then being in the stuff, the best thing I've ever done, because I, I, I put 110 in any, any of the things I do while I'm doing it, but it took me years, and it's probably been only been about the, the history of learning to compartmentalize out a lot of that shit and, like, literally make boundaries for when I'm going to do stuff. Like, I let people know off the bat, whether it's doing my day job or doing beer things or other things I do, I'm like, I'm, I will not respond to you on Sundays and Mondays. Those are my two days off, and you're not going to get a response before 10 a.m. or after 9. And I'm like, that's it. So 
I don't care. I mean, there's exceptions to the rule. Yeah. Obviously, every now and then I'll be like, okay, I need to get on this. But it's like, once I got comfortable doing it, it was such a foreign concept because I was always trying. Anytime anybody reached out, I was like, felt like I, if I didn't respond back, I was being a jerk. Yeah. Um, once I actually trained myself to be comfortable with that, my life got infinitely better. Because then it was like, now it's my time to do whatever I want. I don't deal with that stress that most people didn't give a shit. They were okay with getting yeah. me, me getting back to them the next day. Just you have this internal neurotic craziness that oh, you I need know. to like, okay, I need to get back, I need to get back. If I was like, just got stuck in this, someone was asking me a question that works up, and I'm like, I gotta get back. I'm like, wait, do it in an hour. Yeah. The world's gonna be no, that's so revolving. That's, yep. that's been my problem with like, I, and I think part of that, like, is the other thing I got into for a while was, was managing, like managing bands and stuff like that. And I had to, I was working at that point when I was doing that, my, I was literally working 20 hours a day because I was working with an Australian record label, um, a German, uh, I was working with California time, I was working in London time, I was all over, so I didn't, I used to drink three months ago each day, and that was my life. I remember coming home and visit my mother and thinking, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> I was just like, couldn't sleep, and I was just like going, 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 because I was always, I had to answer back right away, and like, in that industry, you fucking do. Yeah. I, didn't, I couldn't wait. I was just constantly doing that, and then constantly on top of that, I was traveling nonstop, like nonstop traveling all over. And it wasn't like I had a full-blown fucking nervous breakdown that I like had to stop. And, but it was just like, but that's what got me into Dexter, so you know, we're done. Because you were really just thinking about, you know, maybe I should become a serial killer. Everyone. Or was it research? Mm. How do I do this and get away with it? All right. It was, it was, it was so weird. Cause I remember, I, I remember coming home, and it was, I actually came home for the first time in a while, and it was in between tours, and I came home and I actually slept in my own room, and I hadn't been there in a while, and I remember waking up in the middle of the night and having what I didn't know was a full-blown panic attack. I didn't, I didn't know where they were, and I didn't know where I was. And like I was freaking out in my own room, like not I really was freaking out, I didn't know where I was. And then the next morning, like it kind of came through, and I was still like in that. And I didn't, I went about leaving the house for like two three weeks. And in that time, I what now is called binge watching. It, it was on demand, like the first season of Dexter, like just aired, and this was going on. And I was just flipping through, I saw a Showtime on demand. Um, Master of the Horror was on there, so I started watching some of them, but then I saw Dexter under the horror thing, and I was like, what the this? And I watched it, and it was just, boom. I yeah. was like, in. And I just like watched the whole thing. And I was like, well, that's the only benefit I just came out of all of that. Like, I remember just being like a zombie in like the living room. Like, I couldn't read, I couldn't talk to people. I just, I just shut down. It's good to have that disconnect. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, like, you don't want to you don't want to lose yourself in that world. I know a lot of people that do. Oh yeah. Whether it be whatever it is, music or movies or video games or whatever, but to be able to shut hit the off button yeah. for a while, you know what I mean, is is a good thing. It's been looking back at it now, I'm like I wish I could lasso that in and make that a thing to do periodically. Not not a nerve breakdown, but a, a, a the ability to totally disconnect. Because that's my problem now is while I'm watching something, it'll draw my memory about something else and then I'll obsessively have to do that thing. Or if I'm watching something like, oh where am I that person from? Open IMDB, go to that, click on that, now come down that wormhole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that takes me down another wormhole of like, oh, you know, they I remember that makes me a good fan. That fan's still around and go on Wikipedia and then I'm just like it's just never ending. There's a loop of 
I'll get yelled at all the time. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Because I'm just sitting there, just. Yeah. And it's going to become like, oh, I'm burning out. So it's like, no, I'm fucking losing my mind. Like, <laughs> like I want to like turn like, how am I keep sounding from doing this? <laughs> it's just like so hard because like you just, it's like your brain is sending you unanswered questions that I know I can answer, but just click it next. My the easy one for me is because I, I love doing it is uh, and it it works out perfect because you can't do it. you're just saying because I do the same thing. I love driving, so like when I get in my car and just point in the direction I've never been to, you can't. Yes, you can check stuff on your phone, but there's no way you can stare in tax. You can't look up stuff. You can't do whatever. And then there's always music involved, so that kind of sucks you. So it's just like that's my disconnect. Yeah, it's like nice day, go drive. Yeah. Well, I feel like I still I still have my old school uh, iPod. Like the original yeah. iPod, the, 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 the wheel, the wheel of death. Like, I, I love, I have, like, everything on now. They love having, and, like, it, it's funny, remember when I was teaching, everyone was like, why is like, the kids making fun of so bad? I'm like, I don't care. Like, I have, like, everything I own <laughs> on this thing. Like, you can fit, like, what, two, two megabytes on that thing? I don't care. <laughs> but I did, it has, like, 160 on it. I have, like, everything. And I saw, like, boom. I'm like, that's awesome. Yeah. And I remember, like, I remember getting the first, this is, this is my last reminiscing story. So it's, it's funny. I, when I first went to Boston, the, uh, the, first, the first generation iPod came out. And I was all about getting that. Because I had too many CDs. I'm like, this would be great for my apartment. I, I can copy all my CDs and send them home. Don't need them up there with me. So spent all those hours like copying, like on an old tool, small computer copying, which was you know basically at the same rate at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> going through all of that, copied everything in, got it all onto my iPod, and I still remember I was walking down by Fenway Park, and the song ended. I was listening to, and I went to pull it out of my pocket, and this is the, the first day I have this now. This is this is literally no joke. The first day I'm walking around. I guess what song comes on? Is that where you're going for? No. Oh, okay. oh no, it's much better than that. I, I go to pull out of my pocket, and in slow motion, still in my brain, fumbles out of my hand. And this is before even big cases, or they probably did, but I was a fucking idiot and didn't buy one. And I'm walking on concrete, and it just goes, I'm a concrete, and I'm like, oh. and I pick it up, screen's all black, like that ink that leaks down, and I'm like, it was know, like a couple hundred dollars to that, like the first one. And I knew I had it one day, so I'm like, all right, how do I get out of this? And I had it like engraved, so I don't know what I put on the back or something stupid. And, uh, and I go, <laughs> go back to my place. And I don't know why I did this next step, because it was completely irrelevant, but I, I plugged it into my computer to charge it and then fired off an email to Apple, letting them know that I had I charged this overnight. And when I went to it in the morning, uh, something happened to the screen. And then I explained what was going They sent me a new one, and I had to send the other one back. But for some reason, I thought it would be a better story if I actually charged it on my computer. <laughs> like, that was covering me. I actually didn't plug it and charge it. I don't know. But they did send me another one, but I had to like, wait like another, I don't know how long. It just was like eternity, is just what it's called. <laughs> Because I spent so much time there, and it took forever to copy onto the thing, too, back then. No, I didn't sit there forever, and I had to copy every CD and then wait for every CD to copy onto it. And like, now it's like, it's ridiculous. It's, it's just so easy. Technology, man. I remember when I first took the internet, I think it was $50 a month and $2.60 a second. And that's like a minute. A minute. 
I remember, I, I remember having America Online you had to pay for the hour. You had to pay per hour, and yeah. it was a monthly and an hour. Right, it wasn't like you used to do the, the free tier scam on that, because mm-hmm. you'd like have it, and you cancel it, and you sign up for a free month Prodigy, and you cancel that after a month, and you sign up for a free month of CompuServe, and cancel that. But that time, you get another AOL free month, so you kind of just constantly cycle the free people get. in the chat rooms that you're jumping over. <laughs> but then, like, like, back then, I mean, everything was such a struggle to do anything, whether it be... Yeah, internet was absolute shit in those days. Yeah. It wasn't even, it was... It was chat rooms, yeah. Like, the best was, like, when you were a teenager, like, we were going to try and go, like, well, let's do it. Like, that, that was it. Like, that, there was nothing. <laughs> you couldn't download anything. You couldn't do anything. It was just, you, you would go into those chat rooms with a bunch of your friends and you start laughing. You go, put your girl. You look at websites, they all look like shit. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, we worked on GeoCities and all that. <laughs> best things, like, thinking back to that, it's like, oh, God. You make a website, total shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah, but it's not like, Photo. Looks so good. I'm like I'm somebody now. But I remember yeah. it's like it get progressively got better. And I remember the first time I got like when I used to go record shop and I used to go to this record store called Sonic Group, and um, I used to send an email list. They used to email me the new records they got in every week, and then I received an email and there was real audio samples attached to it, and I was like. What kind of fucking movie is this? <laughs> and who do I burn at the stake? It was fucking retarded. I was like, what's going on right now? And then from there, it was just like, I remember having like a little four by four inch like color Casio TV that could pick up like Hatch Malachi. And fucking, uh, and then now it's just like, I have like, I can do whatever I want, whatever I want. So, but it's so exponentially like, it grows so quick. And I just don't, I don't, I don't when, where's the end? When does it end? I, what terrifies me when I think of the future is I don't want to be like our parents' generation now where it's like, I don't understand this. Like, I don't want to get to where I feel helpless by technology. Like, that's what terrifies me looking forward is like, I don't think we will because we kind of pay attention because we're in that, like we're growing up with it. But if it's, at some point, it's going to. Because all of us, at some point, like how we've already talked about, we're getting stubborn in certain things. At some point, we're going to go, I'm done with learning about this, and this is where my cutoff is. I like the internet this way, yeah, like, and that's it. it. Like, it's going to be like, oh, they change the interface, I'm done. Like, you, 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 at some point, you're going you're gonna to reach your peak of, like, this is where my comfort zone ends, and I'm good with the rest of it. I remember back I had to turn my TV on. It took two seconds. You know, there wasn't holograms like that. I don't remember when Tupac was a hologram. If we do get to the point where we don't, like, we don't understand, I think it's, it's going to be it, technically quote-unquote, I guess you'd say, whatever. It's going to be technology, but it's not going to be technology as we think it. No, it's going to be something, something like an organic yeah. thing or something that's yeah. beyond a digital screen with mouth. It's going to be something that's not even imaginable. You know what I mean? And that's Maybe that will just be, that'll be past us in some form or fashion. Yeah, I think at some point it's moving that way where it's so integrated into who we are and what we do every day. Well, that's, that's, gonna kill that's true. You, <laughs> you want to hear my amazing transition? Are we going to go through a hop crisis? Oh, shit. Yeah. We, we broke uh, the internet. There we go. We actually cracked open three this week. We had smaller ones, and there's three of us. So 
the crack joke only went from uh, 21st Amendment, a uh, really good brewery out of California. We've had them on the show twice. The owner, Sully, one of the best guys you're ever going to talk to. Just uh, a real ball buster. It's always a joy to talk to him. Yeah. Um, really solid beer. This is probably my favorite one from them. Uh, top price is 9.7% ABV. Beef uh, up double IPA, but really super balanced, and it's aged in oak. It's a really subtle flavor that's not coming through, like, you know, like bourbon barrel aged thing. It just mellows it out and really makes it, like, for how big this beer is, it's so unbelievably easy drinking. And that's what I love. And it's kind of like that real good, it's, it's a West Coast brewery, but it kind of falls more into that middle ground between the West and the East Coast. That's pretty much what I was going to say. It's, it's actually probably a perfect capping beer because you're taking the bits and pieces of what makes that whole heavy and piney of the beer. You kind of put them in the same beer with a little twist on it. And yeah, definitely a delicious beer. And it's also a can. I enjoy canned beer because it's nice to pour it, but it's also, I don't like drinking out of a can. I don't, drink, I don't like drinking out of bottles, I will say that. I can't, I think I'm, I'm not able to do that one anymore. It's funny because like cans have that connotation yeah. of like oh it's like a cheaper like crappier beer or anything like that but that's that's changing quite a bit now. Oh, yeah. You see so many more of these breweries getting into cans and like going with Twenty First Amendment one they only do cans and there's a couple of breweries that are like Oscar Blues that's all they do and you see more and more larger breweries getting into canning like Sam Adams will be doing that Harpoon does that. Uh, I, I don't know if Stone's getting I know Stone has a like Crowlers now with their brewery. It seems almost a natural progression. They're kind of beers they make. Yeah, it's going to be. A lot of these, like the larger breweries that have been around for a while, that's kind of where a lot of them are going is with the cans. Because, because of breweries like 21st Men and Oscar Blues being able to, to show, like, look, people aren't shitting on us because we're in cans. I think that was the fear a lot of them had initially. Yeah, and you're starting to see, like, you know. Russian Imperial Stout yeah. and Belgian Darts and beers that you would never ever think of as seeing in a can. Yeah. Combined with, there's always going to be somebody at a board meeting that says, look at this profit loss being margin on cans. Yeah. When you're like, okay, you get twice the amount of advertisement, a third of the cost, you do the fucking math. And, and, and a lot of them get into it too, just on their, uh, their hippie mentality, if you will, because it, it's infinitely more, I there's ability for more aluminum to be recycled. It's like, backing up that more aluminum is recycled in class. And there's also, you go back to, you know, far enough with track saying that recycling is all bullshit, and by the time it's all said and done, it's like a zero game thing, but whatever. It's not going <laughs> <laughs> to... We have to crack it up. Yeah, Derek. Seriously. That's just off the show. Bring some good beer. Recycling. The internet's going to kill us all. And uh, bullying will never end. Uh, have a good night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> and fuck your mother. All right. Well, of course. Yeah. I think we need to say that one. Yeah. But uh, yeah, glasses are empty again. We've rambled enough this week, and we back next week with George, and me and Matt will join us too. So we'll have a force on even. Whoa. We'll see how that one goes. But uh, we'll catch you next week. <laughs> I love myself inside my room I wanna be alone With you and your love and I love I wanna be alone With me to stand by my thoughts I wanna be alone With you and your love and I love I'm ready.
Lock myself inside my room. Bye.